ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power. The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. Everybody is I. You all know you are you. And wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference. You are all of them. And when they come into being, that's you coming. Yo, yo, people, how's it going? Hope you're all doing well wherever you are in the world. And for this podcast today, I don't even know where to start with this intro because this is a conversation that I have wanted to have for a very long time. As you know, in passing, in the past on this podcast, I've mentioned the name Carl Kalaman a few times in relation to the Maya in ancient cultures and their deeper understanding of the nature of reality and consciousness and how they predicted these big, vast cycles of consciousness. Well, today this is the guest who I've mentioned a few times, and this conversation was actually meant to be done in person. I was meant to be over in California this month, but obviously, as you know, guys, certain circumstances have dictated otherwise. So I thought this is a conversation that I've been dying to, to, um, to and this topic as well is a, is a topic that I've been dying to share with you all. It's a topic over the last, especially over the last five and six months and over the last maybe one year that I have just been, I've been diving so deep down the rabbit hole into this topic and I've never really, I've never really been pulled to a topic as much as I have to this topic in my life and I mean I need to just give a bit of context as well guys before we do this podcast that prior to, prior to um, sort of doing all these podcasts that I've done over maybe over 300, 400 podcasts now. When I was about 14 or 15 years old, I remember looking into ancient cultures. I was so drawn by them and fascinated by by the, the pyramids and stuff, and the, especially the Mayan calendar. Just, just the wonder of them by looking at them visually. It was just something awe-inspiring and something really pulled us in. So that really did start us on my journey. And I obviously, as you know, I started looking at so many different topics and talking, talking to... Um, guests on this podcast and looking into consciousness, nature, reality and whatever other topic I get up to. But the in Pacific, the topic about ancient cultures is one that I've always come back to. And as you know, guys, over the last, especially over the last year on this podcast, I've been very open about different shifts of awareness that I've been having in my body and different shifts of energy that I've been feeling and higher states of awareness and the Kundalini awakening that I talked about. And this is very much related to that because so the so a lot of my work, like I said, has been from a from a physical perspective. I've been going online and researching in ancient cultures of the past, but also at the same time from my own inner experience, my own subjective, my own subjectivity and experience. I've been having experiences, like I said, and it's in these two worlds have sort of pulled me in together, as you will see as this podcast more unfolds, how that makes sense. But as you know, the inner the inner world is also a reflection of the outer, and I all really do feel that the Mayans really did understand that, and they really understood that 
that everything is a microcosm so what is what is above so below what is outside is also inside and i really do feel that they were a lot more intelligent not just from a physical perspective and building structures but a lot more advanced and intelligent from a spiritual and metaphysical perspective so as you know guys in life we have the theory darwin's theory of, of evolution that we came from single cell organisms we went to we obviously evolved as human and went to where we are now but alongside that the ancients many years ago well before darwin had had a different theory of the universe they called it um they called it many people they called it many different names they called it um some civilizations called it the young uh, the yuga cycle plato called it the great year and many other ancient cultures called it many other different things probably names that we we don't even know because them names have been lost in history so many different cultures um ha had a different understanding of evolution and like i said it wasn't just a biological evolution they had a deeper understanding of a consciousness evolution a spiritual evolution and it really is an interesting question to ask yourself is life itself maybe it isn't all is what we've been made out to believe and maybe we we're not at this um we are not more intelligent than maybe our past ancestors. There is a lot of evidence to suggest that maybe we're not. And they did know a few things that we didn't. And one of them, in my opinion, is the conversation to deal with uh, Carl Johann Kalman. So he, Carl is a scientist. He's also a philosopher. And he's devoted his past 30 years to understanding the evolution of consciousness and life based on the Mayan calendar. As you know, the Mayan calendar really is a fascinating thing it really is so much i don't know if you've ever went in a rabbit hole and just done a bit of research or even just looked at the picture of the mind calendar online it really is one of them that really draws you in so like i said this conversation today many different cultures had different names for what we're talking about today but specifically in this podcast carl kalaman is talking about the evolution of consciousness from the mind perspective so there's many other cultures as you know like the egyptians the hopi and many more who had the same perspective but they had a little bit of a different spin on it but like i said carl kalaman's um, perspective in research that he done is from the mind perspective it is very similar to other traditions and in the future i do want to have some other guests on who who look at this conversation from a different culture because i really think it's very interesting but like i said this knowledge that is in this podcast is really where i'm up to in my journey right now in my life this is a, a topic that i'm really looking into so in the past carl has wrote books a book called the nine waves of creation which we talk about today he's also wrote a book called the global mind and the rise of civilization and he's also wrote and his new book which has just come out called quantum science of psychedelics the pineal gland multi-dimensional reality in the mayan cosmology so we talk about a lot of this in this podcast today like i said as you will see guys this conversation is online it's the first one that i've done in about two years it's not something that I'm going to keep doing in the future. This was just something that I really felt that I couldn't make happen in person. I was trying my best to do it, but as you know, current circumstances stopped it. So I decided that this is just a conversation that regardless whether it's online or in person, it just has to be put out there because it's in, in sometimes when I do these podcasts, guys, I have so much information and at times it's good just to, I speak about them and it allows me to move on and, and look into something else or look into the next chapter of this conversation. So anyway, I feel that this conversation is is a really big one. I hope that you can, I really hope that it's not um, too much for some people. I really, it might not be too much for some people. 
Um, sometimes when I go on my journey and think about bigger topics, sometimes I don't. I, I go blasting off and forget to make it relatable for you guys and so you can understand it. So in this one, I really did try to start off at the basics and really try to ask questions to Carl that would give you a good understanding, a good starting point. Because in the future, like I said to Carl at the end of this, as you will hear, this is definitely only part one. There's going to be a part two and a part three. And also there's going to be other podcasts with other guests to give other perspectives of this conversation. Because I really do feel that this could be, this This is definitely for me, I feel it in my heart, that this is definitely a really, um, definitely really um, could be a, a new way of seeing the world from a from more of a spiritual perspective instead of just a biological process. So I think that's enough said anyway. This one is an absolute powerhouse of a podcast. It really is. If you want to head over to the YouTube page to get a, get some visual ideas, because in the YouTube video, as me and Carl were talking on camera, I actually put a lot of pictures in just to give you give a bit more context around some of the things that he was talking about. So if you want to head over to the YouTube page, just type in Ascend Podcast, you will find it. So that is all, guys, anyway. Hope you enjoy this conversation with Carl Callerman. Definitely only part one. Peace out. So that that's probably the, the first place I'll start. I was going to say that. So that when I, when I first came across your work, Carl, I was when I first heard the things that you were talking about in the research that you were diving into. I was just so. Straight away, as soon as I, I seen the research on it, I just I could, I could just feel the resonance of the of the information and the truth that was was coming through your work. But what's really interesting to me is that when I was when we are in in school as a young as a young child and stuff, we're taught that history is sort of uh, linear and it moves up gradually, and everything before us is sort of less than us. Sort of saying where we are now as a civilization is the best time that we've ever been at, been at. But as we know, the, the, the more and more that you look back in, throughout history and you look back at the work of the ancients, you actually start to understand that, that maybe it's not all as it's been made out to be. And even, for example, people like Graham Hancock, as you know, he talks about how we are a species with amnesia. And many ancient cultures, from, from my own perspective, and I know through your perspective as well, were far more advanced, not just from a physical level, but from also a metaphysical and a spiritual level as well. If we do look back in history, which is obviously um, evident in your work as well, many all ancient cultures all talked about the vast, this vast cycle of time and this vast alternating periods of the golden age and the dark ages on the planet. That's what they called it, meaning that the planet goes through different stages of awakening and enlightenment and different stages of sort of ignorance on the planet, so to say. And I know many people in the past, some people called it the, the yuga, the yuga cycle, I think Plato called it the the great year as well. But when I first came across this work that you were doing, I really just, like I said before, I really just felt sort of every single cell in my body. I could really feel that this there was some sort of a great resonance to what you were speaking about. But I know in particular your work that you have uncovered in particular with the Maya is sort of how they saw, saw this bigger cycle and how they saw this bigger picture of reality and consciousness and how these sort of waves do ebb and flow throughout of civilization. Could you, just to start this, could you speak upon how, on, uh, speak around your general thoughts, how they knew something that we didn't? 
Yeah, that's a big um, question. And, uh, you know, I, it's, it's an even bigger question, you might say, why did it seem like ancient peoples looked upon the world so differently from what we do today? You know, they, they lived in a world, it seems like, where they had all kinds of gods. Uh, they, they revered a tree of life. They revered serpents as creator gods. They were uh, thinking of the universe being inhabited by so-called therianthropes, mixed humans and animals, and so forth. And so that, that world uh, that they perceived apparently was quite different from our own, how we look upon things. We don't see dragons flying in the sky, or I haven't met anyone really who, who did that. And yet, if you go back to ancient sources, this was very real to them. They, they actually did see these things. And so why would that be? And what I'm suggesting here in, in my work is that they were actually living in a different state of consciousness than we are now. And that's not, state of consciousness is just not, uh, you know, a way of thinking or something like that. It, it, it's, a, it's what organizes our thinking. And th that state of consciousness would allow them to see things that we normally wouldn't see today. And so th that is a, a basic uh, understanding, I think, of how um, uh, history has evolved. It has evolved based on shifting states of consciousness. And as, uh, as the state of consciousness has shifted, people have gained new perceptions of reality, new ways of being creative, uh, new abilities, uh, and so forth. And uh, when it comes to the Maya, they plays, uh, play a, a unique role in, the, uh, in our understanding for this. And the reason is that, you know, most of these ancient peoples, they would leave behind these stories that they perceived of, of gods and uh, dragons and etc., etc. Et but they really left behind very few numbers. And what I mean by that is that science, as we know it, really is based on the use of numbers. And the Maya were one of these people that perceived all kinds of things that we don't perceive anymore. But what makes them different is that they develop this calendrical science. And that's, that means that you're bringing in numbers to the study of, of reality. And as I understand it, why they developed this calendrical science was not just like we do, to have a calendar that we make uh, appointments and stuff like that. No, they wanted to know how the universe evolves. And for that, they, they needed this kind of calendrical um, science. And what makes that so special, and, and really is why I, as a scientist, have devoted so much time to it, is that the, their calendrical science allows us to see how do these shift points that you can deduce from the calendar system, how do that match up with, uh, with the history and the evolution of the entire universe as we know it today.
And that gives us a chance to say, this is all made up fantasies, or we can really study it and, uh, as I have done, and I think I've come to the conclusion that this is really a science of e the evolution of the universe. Uh, it's a quantum science for the evolution of the universe because it, it focuses on these quantum shifts that the Maya would describe. And that, that's really how, uh, how I look upon the, uh, the fact that the ancients were in significant ways different from us. They were living in, under the influence of another quantum state. And what that also means, how, do you, how are you influenced by a quantum state? Well, you are, if you are uh, downloading uh, uh, waves of creation waves uh, uh, of certain frequencies. This is what the ancients would talk about as serpents uh, that, that were creative and created the world. And so we download these quantum states and as that happens we will perceive reality through those uh, uh, filters if you like. Yeah, definitely. Could you speak a bit more, Carl, about how sort of they predicted that time moves in a sort of more of a cycular pattern? Well, um, I, I would say wave-like pattern, preferably, because cycle, you know, that sort of implies an uh, identically repeated uh, thing uh, uh, geometrically in a, in, a, in a cycle, so to speak. It wasn't exactly like that. I, you know, it was like a wave-like movement. And, uh, uh, and, and, you know, I think it, it solves an enigma that a lot of people might have thought about previously, namely, why are serpents so popular in ancient mythologies? And they, they, they're not just popular, they're usually the, the main creative uh, power. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the Australian aborigines, they worship something called the rainbow serpent as their uh, uh, as a creator god. And if you go to the Amazonas, then uh, you will find that the, the tribes there they they look upon the great anaconda as the creator of the human race. And then you know you have the cosmic serpent in in many. Uh, Middle Eastern uh, uh, mythologies. You have the the serpentine uh, dragons in, in China, and and still today, you know, Chinese people want their kids to be born in the year of the dragon because that's really the most powerful of, of the the signs in their particular calendar system, and then. The same thing comes back when you go to when you go to Mexico and study the ancient civilizations there, uh, the Maya, the Aztecs, the Toltecs, etc. They all looked upon the plumed serpent as the main creator, the one that brought civilization, but also that sort of took away civilization in a sense when it abandoned a civilization. And um, so what I'm saying here is that we can't just dismiss these ideas. You know, if, if people from so many different parts of the world are, are looking upon the, the um, serpent as a major creator god, we will have to find out what it is. 
And you may also think about the fact that, you know, the, the, the Jewish God that became the Christian God in, in, in the book of Genesis, he really looks upon the serpent as a, a, a real contestant to his power. You know, he curses the, we all know the story about Adam and Eve mm -hmm. and how the, the serpent deluded them, etc., etc. And he curses the, the, the serpent. Here we have some real conflict between two ways of looking at, uh, upon the divine. One is that there is a serpent that creates reality uh, emanating from the tree of life. And the other is that it's a more human-like God kind of a person that, that has created the universe. So in my, my personal view is that the serpent is much closer to the truth. And, um, and, and really what it is, is that the, the serpent is a kind of a metaphor that the ancients would have for a, a sine wave movement of creation. And um, in the Mayan system, there are nine major uh, plumed serpents that are interacting with us, and we may become like uh, uh, embodiments of the kind of creativity that the plumed serpent uh, brought. You know, they would sometimes call certain individuals, say, that's Quetzalcoatl, which is the Aztec name for, for the plumed serpent. A certain per person would be looked upon as that particular uh, energy, because it's somebody who had really developed resonance with that particular wave and downloaded the kind of creativity that that particular wave would, would uh, bring. Um, so this is a little bit uh, short form. And it's very different from the, the predominating uh, worldview in science or, or in our modern society at all, where the thought is that we, you know, we don't download our, our minds. The, the minds are pro produced by our, our brains in, in some uh, strange way. And so... In that way, all the in, the the, the uh, attention it falls on the particular individual, as if you know we were be able to create totally just based on our own brains without downloading information, inspiration, etc., etc. So in that way. You know, we can understand that the ancients, they looked upon themselves as living in a world of spirits, of, of uh, uh, gods and so forth, that influenced their lives in a way that we today have mostly discarded, thinking that I did it, nobody else did it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that's how it, how it is. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, it's really interesting how you, you already brought up the, the aspect of the serpent sort of being the origin of creation and being a, the sort of the serpent being a metaphor for these waves that do sort of come out uh, ebb and flow throughout of civilization. Because, I mean, even if we, like you mentioned before, the, the situation with Adam and Eve, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of research into the sort of Adam and Eve and stuff. And if you look at all depictions of all pictures through the, the old uh, scriptures and artwork, even in the tree, the central point of the tree, there's always a serpent that's going around the tree. 
And what I really feel about that through my research that I've done is that, like you said, it's completely the opposite. The, the sort of the way that that has been perceived is that sort of the serpent is a bad thing. The, the serpent mm-hmm. is sort of, um, sort of the devil sort of say, but actually yeah. what it, what it has is to means to me is, is that actually what they were doing, they were actually sort of, it represents sort of, um, sort of connecting with the divine, connecting with yes. that, that higher aspect of yourself. And just to sort of add to this as well on a personal level, I mean, recently people who listen to this podcast know that I've spoke many times out how, how I went through, I think it was about one year ago and I went through a sort of a Kundalini awakening. I mean, you can put ever what word you want to call on it. But as I've gone through that awakening process, I actually sort of, on a personal level, I actually interacted on, act, interacted with a serpent through my own self, if, you, if that makes sense. So I was having experiences where my, I was having these heightened states of awareness and I would actually feel sort of the, the essence of a, of a serpent going, mm. through, going through my body, raising from the bottom of my back all the way to the, t- to the crown of my head. And if you look through many different ancient cultures, especially when it, in places like India and stuff like that, they also mention this, this serpent aspect that, that actually sort of emits through human bodies and actually invokes human consciousness amongst the people. So it's yeah. really, it's just very interesting that the, the deeper that you do look into the origins of the serpent. I mean, I read a book a while ago by Jeremiah Narbury. I don't know if you've ever read that book, but if I that have. book is, yeah, you have, yeah. It's called The Cosmic Serpent for people who don't know. And that's also highlights this sort of this, this divine connection to the cosmic serpent and even how people in shamanistic cultures, they understood that there was a fundamental um, relationship between the serpent and the evolution of consciousness. So it is, it's definitely clear to say that, um, that the serpent has played a huge um, part in, in, the, in the creation and the mythology of, of human civilization. It's just really interesting how we've sort of neglected that, that deeper essence and deeper knowledge. And just to add to that as well, I know when you were, I made a note of this, but I know when you were, when I was looking into your work, you also mentioned as well how the, the cosmology, like in the mind cosmology of the serpent, this was actually integrated in the pyramid of Chichen Itza, I think it was as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, the, the Chichen Itza is, is, the, probably is the most visited of all the Mayan sites. They have a couple of million people coming there every year, and it's now, uh, you know, it's certainly on the list of UNESCO's uh, heritage sites and so forth. So, and that is built, the, the central pyramid in uh, Chichen Itza is devo- dedicated to the plumed serpent. And... Uh, you find the same thing in, in several other Mexican places, like in Teotihuacan. There is the, they now think that that big city, which has pyramids on the scale of, of those in, in Egypt, they now think that the central pyramid that was first built there was the one de- de- devoted to the uh, plumed serpent. And there is also... Uh, formerly the world's largest pyramid in Cholula in in southern Mexico uh, that's dedicated to the plumed serpent. So, so 
I think the, the message there, they, what they're leaving behind to us is that uh, this is not a peripheral thing. It's not a snake that is, you know, for un, some un, unknown reasons were the center of, of their worship. It, it's the creator God in their uh, perception of, of, of reality. And uh, now, I don't personally see serpents. I mean, I might have had some occasional vision of it or so forth. I do think, however, that, you know, it's a wave movement that underlies all of creation, that, that they choose in that particular way to, uh, to, to symbolize. Uh, but I also think there is some truth to it that that particular wave movement is a wave movement of life. Uh, so it's, you know, I, I, I'm sort of on the borderline between science and experience here, you might say. But I, I do feel that it's not just like an electromagnetic dead uh, uh, wave. It, there is, it, it's, it's, it was thought of by the ancient Maya as the bringer of life, as the creator of life. And so there is, there is really a, a quality of life there that, that uh, I, I think they got right. Yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree. I 100% agree with everything you said there. And I really do feel that there is sort of a, a huge significance in the relationship between the, the serpent and how, sort of how, how they used, used that to sort of as a metaphor and understand and to predict the sort of the evolution of consciousness. So just to yeah. sort of dive into the, that aspect of things of how the sort of the Mayan culture actually predicted the evolution of consciousness could sort of break down and dive into how these different waves do affect human consciousness with the sort of the rising and the fall of the different ages. Could you sort of give a bit of a brief summary of how that, how that unfolds for people? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, to begin with, you know, it's what, what I, from the Maya, we know the, the timing of these nine waves, uh, which were, they, built their pyramids in accordance with. We know that. Then, you know, I have, the, my particular research has then been to use those times, those dates, so to speak, and see how does that fit with the modern scientific worldview of the evolution of the universe. And uh, I think it fits any way you slice it, actually. Uh, and uh, so to re re re, uh, re reiterate a little bit then how i think th this works out the 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 central pyramids that the maya built and that includes the one in chichen itza that we just talked about which was directly devoted to to the plumed serpent but the central pyramids in the most famous locations like palenque um, Tikal uh, and uh, Mayapan, uh, they're built in nine levels and they are like terrace pyramids. So what that means is that they, it's like nine quantum ste uh, steps. Uh, so you have the one bottom level developed by one wave, creating one particular quantum state of uh, state of consciousness. And then you know when you climb one level, you come to another uh, quantum state, 
And I think this is important, to, to, uh, the symbolism that the Maya left behind. It wasn't just a sort of a smooth transition between all of these different levels. No, they represented distinct quantum states that allowed people to be different in different, uh, 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 in different time periods. So, to come back and, and summarize it a little bit, the lowest level starts uh, um, uh, at about at the time of the Big Bang, uh, in other words, the birth of the universe, you, you might say, according to modern science, and that's sort of the, the, the same timing there in, in the Mayan system. And then that develops essentially life to the point where you have multi, you have a, 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 a higher cells coming out of it. Uh, and then you come, the next level starts uh, 100, 800 million years ago, and that develops all the animals and the plants and so forth. And, and so you can say what comes out of this is multicellular organism. And then the next level, the third level, starts 40 million years ago, with, which starts creating the, the, the primates, the upright-going, bipedalic uh, uh, beings like ourselves, so starting with the simplest lemurs and, and, uh, and, uh, and um, monkeys. And, so, and then comes the fourth uh, level. It develops the... Uh, uh, the brain size, essentially, of, of the human beings. And so it goes from the very first uh, human beings to a million years ago who were making their first tools and all that up to ourselves, Homo sapiens sapiens. So these four levels is really creating a biological species like ourselves, including to all the other biological species that are part of these wave uh, uh, creative movements that goes through the universe. And uh, but then comes the beginning of the more spiritual, mental evolution of humans. And the fifth wave started 100,000 years ago. And that's about the time when you have the first symbolic representations created by human beings. The first signs that they were creating art, that they were uh, starting to see themselves as a little bit uh, spiritual beings. And it goes through all that kind of, uh, what I would call like a floating shamanic state of consciousness. And then 5,000 years ago, you have the sixth wave, and the world changes entirely. Suddenly you have civilizations building uh, pyramids, cities, and all those things that later will evolve into the modern civilizations. With the wave, so to speak, every peak in the wave produces a new and a little bit more advanced expression of, of civilization. Then comes the seventh wave uh, um, that started in 1755. And, you know, being British, you may know and be aware that that's where, where at the time when the first industrial revolution began in the British Isles and uh, then spread to the world. Uh, everything starts somewhere and then it spreads to the world, essentially. Uh, and... Uh, so that changed, a completely new mentality came out, and people, uh, it wasn't just that people started to, to 
develop uh, industry, production, consumption, and uh, huge technical uh, advances based on this new quantum state of consciousness that they were in. Uh, it was also that their social relationships, essentially, in my view, was improved. No longer was the, 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 the monarchs, you know, all-powerful and all that kind of thing. The idea of, of um, uh, equality emerged with the French and, and, and uh, American revolutions and democracy and all kinds. It, it, I, without going, I go into details about these things in my book and really point out step-by-step step exactly what's happening. But the point is, the mind was completely changed. People started, there was a new plumed serpent that they started to download uh, their perception of reality uh, from. And that, in turn, when the perception changed with that mind uh, that they started to download, they also developed a different kind of uh, um, uh, uh, creativity. And they also started to look, well, maybe in, you know, we should be more equal, at least in, in terms of uh, democracy and republics and, uh, and so forth. And then comes the H wave, which is the, basically, it starts in 1999, and is basically is what develops the digital revolution. I mean, the internet might have existed a couple of years before that, but the, the really interactive uh, 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 digital phenomena starts with that wave. And that's also a product of people downloading uh, a new mental framework. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we, today we can even, it's almost tangible that there is a new world has been created, the world within the digital world, the, the internet and, and everything like that. And the world has changed completely. And, and it's especially now with the current situation with this virus and so forth, it's becoming even more digital. We're going even more deeply into that kind of uh, 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 mental frame and how this is connected to this, what we download from the cosmic center. I go into detail in, in my books, especially, I would say, the most recent one, Quantum Science of Psychedelics, but also uh, the previous ones, Nine Waves of Creations, and so forth. So all of those, there are eight waves, and then there is the ninth wave. And the ninth wave was activated in 2011. And that's the highest frequency of all waves. And it's only been running for a relatively short time then. And, and it won't, I, I don't think it will bring any new technological revolution like the, a couple of earlier ones have done. It's all about, uh, it, it opens, resonance with that wave opens up the possibility of, of creating a, a unity on a new and higher level. It's not, it's not just creating the, what may be the interest of the individual. It's about going back to the we Rather than me, it's about going to the we. And 
that I believe is really crucial for the future of, of the planet. Uh, people are uh, uh, looking at this as a possibility and seek to develop the spiritual tools in order to, 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 to get there, so to speak. Um, and um, so anyway, uh, long story short, uh, there are nine different waves and uh, nine different corresponding states of consciousness, you might say, or, and nine corresponding uh, frameworks emitting uh, from the cosmic source, the cosmic center. And uh, uh, we are, in a sense, you know, these are quantum waves, so it doesn't mean that exactly what we do are determined by it, but their existence is, I would say, outside of our control. What we have a choice about is what do we uh, choose to uh, develop resonance with, because that will turn, that will determine who we are and what we will be, um, uh, and so forth. And um, I, to, to complete this, you know, you, you should, uh, I just want to say then that, that there is just one ancient Mayan inscription talking about the shift that would, would happen in 2011, 2012. And that inscription is, uh, um, is called the Tortuguero Monument Number 6. And uh, what that particular inscription says is that what would happen at that point is that the nine-level entity would appear in its full regalia. And, you know, of course, you're free to, uh, to interpret that in, in many different ways, uh, but that's sort of literally what it means. And what that means, uh, to me anyway, is that at that point in time, all the nine waves would have been activated, and that's the full regalia, so to speak, the totality of the ninth waves. And that creates a whole new world, in a sense, uh, where uh, the, the waves are all running in parallel. And in a sense, it becomes a little bit more complex because uh, we, we, since all are running in parallel, there's nothing, you know, we, it all much depends on how we will develop resonance with these different waves. Really well put, by the way. Really great breakdown, and it's really interesting how you were talking about how these sort of these quantum waves do go about creating both our perception and interaction with reality. But just also to add as well, something that I came across and um, through other people's work as well is is the relationship um, on on sort of a on a psychological perspective. So, for example, all them different nine nine waves in relation to different nine points within civilization that you mentioned there. It also seems to be as well as that there's an interaction between sort of um, non-duality and duality in the self. So it seems to be that past civilizations were in a place of ancient civilizations in the past might have been in a place of more duality where they had sort of a, a greater awareness and perception of of the wider world and how they maybe were not singular and they were a part of a, a larger sense of community or even to go bigger a sense of something much larger than themselves in the universe and then it seems to be that 
just to add that civilization seemed to be the sort of went through a fall into this period of, like you said, the industrial age and things like that, where sort of man and woman more went into sort of a place of where the, the, the masculine was more dominant than the feminine. And like I said before, it was a place of more, a place of less duality than, than duality, duality sort of say. But it seems to be like with this ninth wave that you're, that you're talking about now, it, it does seem to be that that civilization is now starting, especially what's going on on the planet now, where civilization is getting to this point. And if this is, if this is true, which I do feel that these waves do ebb and flow throughout of civilization, that it, it, these waves don't just affect it from a physical level, but they affect you from a psychological perspective and human beings sort of, uh, sort of maybe adopt a sort of a new sense of mind in the analyze maybe some things that they need to work on or or maybe as a civilization we address what things we need to change and it seems to be that that these just to add again that these these waves do not just affect the physical but they affect the psychological do you do you feel that as well oh absolutely yeah. absolutely so you you know uh, each wave i would say would uh, carries with it a certain way of relating to to others and uh, uh, that that creates our psychology and sociology, so um, so to say. And um, right now we're in a quite complex situation when it comes to these waves. And you you might say that the the sort of the the basic civilizing wave, which is the sixth wave, uh, is on its way down. And uh, uh, what that means, you know, well, we can see it when we look around uh, at, at this time, because there is a sort of a collapse of, of civilization going on. Uh, even though people think this is just because of a virus, it does fit in to the wave of, of things going down for that kind of a, a civilization of dominance that have really existed for about 5,000 years. And... Uh, and the same time, what what that means, I mean, is the also that the space is creating uh, created for something new to be uh, to emerge, and that's really what what must come out of an increased development of resonance with the higher waves, as, as I said. And I think the the more consciously this can be done, the better it is. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I completely agree. And when you when you were speaking before um, about the end of the Mayan calendar, do do you do you feel that? I mean, my general thoughts around the end of the Mayan calendar. I know many people in the past spoke about how it was the. I know sort of people who didn't really do the research and had said that it was sort of a, um, a sort of a disaster was going to happen on the planet. But my thoughts around it is that it was a it was sort of a window and a, a window of time where they said that consciousness on the planet would change and be affected. Do you do you have the same feeling about that? That the the end of the Mayan calendar was actually maybe a window of consciousness changing. Uh, well, yes, and, and, but I also think it was kind of wrong to talk about the end of the Mayan calendar. I mean, I, I, I would be guilty to some extent of, of that as well. You could, but, I was going to just say, sorry, Carl, I was going to say, you could probably either call it, I would probably, the better word to call it is probably a beginning. You can say it, it's a beginning, yeah. but I would even say it's a continuation of the waves. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, the waves had led all the way up to that point in time, 
which I set as October 28, 2011, a little bit differently from, from the others, because I come from quantum theory and most other researchers were coming from Newtonian physics. Um, but the, the waves uh, have, are continuing. And if you actually go to the Mayan archaeological sources, you find support for that because they, they have certain dates put like 4,000 years into the future and so forth. So they looked upon it not as, they looked upon it as a significant time when all, for the first time, all the waves would be activated. That was the significant they saw. But they didn't saw, see it as if the waves were ending, because in that case, they would not have been referring to certain dates that would be happening 4,000 years into the future um, and so forth. So I, I would say, um, you know, even if, if I may be a little bit guilty of it myself, I think it was wrong to talk about the end of the Mayan calendar, but it was a significant shift point. And uh, you know, the world has changed. The mentality of people has changed significantly since then um, in different kinds of reaction, directions, I'm sorry. Um, but it, it, it certainly is, was a significant shift point, and we're now in a new place since then. Yeah, definitely, 100%. And like you were saying before as well, something else I want to touch on, you were speaking about how, it seems to when you were talking about the how in regards to the Mayan pyramid, how all the different nine waves are sort of are symbolic of the of the the, the, the shifts and the, the changes in consciousness. It seems to be that that the ancients did understand there was some importance to bet to embed that knowledge within the pyramids. Do you feel that I mean the question really it should, I should really ask you is why do you think they understood the importance of embedding that information within the pyramids? Why they embedded the information in the pyramids? Yeah. Um, why was why know, was that of great importance to them? Because it cer certainly seems to be that that this that they did embed this sort of like you said the the nine waves of the of the pyramids like this information that you've uncovered yeah. in the pyramids itself. It certainly seems to be that they've left that as sort of as um, a puzzle or, or or breadcrumbs for someone else in the future to understand it and figure it out. Yeah, well, something like that. Um, you, know, um, you know, sometimes they, they talk about medieval churches as being the poor man's Bible. That, in other words, in medieval churches, they would have paintings about, you know, different things that went on in, in the Bible because people could not read. And, the, you know, the pyramids of the Maya, I think, are something similar to that. If you have somebody guiding you to understand what the, the different levels mean or something like that, it's a great poor man's uh, uh, Mayan calendar knowledge, uh, so to speak. And um, I've, I've, I mean, I've interacted with these pyramids quite uh, personally, quite extensively. And, and, you know, there are a couple of things that are interesting that... I think just the fact that I've climbed so many pyramids means that my whole body has sort of embedded or it has taken in the information that's sort of in the stones. In, in those pyramids, the, 
the number of stair, steps in the staircases and stuff like that, they're never accidental. They're always there to tell you about some kind of a, a wave or process or cycle or, 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 or whatever. And, uh, um, and, and uh, you know, maybe you've heard about this with the, you know, the plume, the descent of the plumed serpent in, in Chichen Itza that happens on the equinoxes, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, which is mind-blowing. It is. And it's about 100,000 people, mostly, I would say, local Mayans, or, or at least descendants of them, in, in, gathered there to see this projection from the nine steps on the side of the staircase leading up to the top of the pyramid. And then you can see seven days or seven tri triangles of light alternating with six triangles of, of darkness. And it's like the scales on the back of the serpent. And all of this is, um, um, you know, it's sort of trying to make physical sense of a calendar system that probably in ancient times could only be really grasped in an intellectual way by a small group of, uh, of priests or, or, or so forth. But by building these pyramids and, and for people to uh, access them and so forth, it, it, it makes for a much more tangible way of, of grasping what is the essence of the calendar system. Yeah, definitely. It's it's. Have you ever questioned as well? Because something that I have questioned, it seems to be like like I was saying before. It seems to be they had some sort of deeper reason behind. They did go to great detail to to embed all this knowledge. But it seems to be for me. I mean, a theory that I would love to ask you if you have the same thoughts. But it seems like they understood that civilization would go through this, just like they predicted with the cycles of the nine waves. It seems like they understood that human civilization would go through this period. Like what Graham Hancock says, we would we would we would have a form of amnesia where we would sort of forget who we were, and it seems like they actually they knew that civilization was going to do that. Then eventually, when civilization was ready, this knowledge they would start to understand it more, not just understand it, but actually start to feel feel it as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I I I, I would agree with that. Uh, uh. But I, you know, I, I also want to say, I think, you know, we are the ones that have uh, uh, reached the top level, which wasn't accessible in, in ancient times. Interesting. And, uh, um, but we, in order to, uh, to really be able to align ourselves what, with what seems to be the cosmic plan, which is you know, to reach this state of consciousness of the ninth wave, which very few people still have done. In, in order to do that, we have to absorb and understand the, the, this knowledge of the ancients. And um, I think the, the Mayan knowledge plays a special role in that because they, as I said earlier, they left behind numbers, calendrical facts that we can use to see, uh, to study the evolution of the universe and become part of how that uh, evolution of the universe is meant us to fulfill, to reach this highest state of consciousness and 
become more geared uh, uh, towards unity, uh, uh, towards not projecting negativity uh, and so forth. So, so Carl, do you think we are, we are actually in that ninth wave now through your research? Do you think that's what's, that's what's happening now, sort of human civilization is, as we can see, it's definitely clear to say that human, right now on the planet, human civilization is getting to this sort of this pivotal point, like I said earlier, where we do get to this position where we do get to reassess our whole uh, civilization yeah. from, a spiritual, from a spiritual, from a physical and a psychological perspective. But do you feel that that is what, what is happening now? We are in that emergence of that ninth wave now. Well, I think what's happening is that the ninth wave became accessible to us uh, uh, 10 years ago. Yeah. But then, you know, for us to actually uh, develop resonance with it, we haven't taken those steps yet. Mm, and... Uh, um, uh, or, or very, very few people have. And uh, uh, I, I think what it takes, some of it really for people just to study uh, uh, the Mayan calendar from the perspective that I'm presenting. And uh, some of it is to also to develop, you know, to consciously bring our state of consciousness in accordance with this highest quantum state. And that, what that means is that very, very few people do that today, but I do know people that do it, and I'm working with others to, in order to develop this further. But what that means is really getting from that what's in it for me to what's in it for us. And... Uh, to to change our entire state of consciousness to uh, to become that to become us so to speak or or to honor us uh, and um, this won't happen automatically I think because um, yeah I, I do think it will take intentionality and also the practice of, of, of certain uh, uh, spiritual um, practices, practice, practice, yeah, but, but, but that, that's, that's how I look upon it. So I only think that now that level is accessible, and then it's up to us to I find it, to, to develop yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. I loved how you said as well, the act of just researching into the ancient cultures actually sort of invokes something within your in yourself because, I mean, I've felt that throughout my whole life. Even I've always been interested in all the different aspects of the pyramids and stuff. And it was actually one of the first things that started me on my journey was looking into ancient cultures. And it's, it really is interesting because it seems to be that there is something that happens when you just, the act of, like you said, just looking into the topic or or maybe even for some people, I know when they actually go and visit these structures as well, something, I mean, something, something admits from, not, not only from the structures themselves, but from admits from deep within you, you feel some sort of resonance. And I feel yeah. like that resonance can, can transcend, not just in the physical, but it actually transcends through, and it evokes in you by actually just going on the internet and researching or picking up your book or something. Because it's, it certainly has for me, and it's, I don't know. It's just like sometimes when I look into this information, it feels like it feels like the whole thing is some sort of like the greatest game that we've ever sort of played on ourselves, where we 
we go through this point of civilization where we forget, then we remember, then we forget, then we remember. Do you ever question that this whole thing could be sort of like a, a game that we play on ourselves where we forget and we remember? <laughs> um, a game? Sort of like a, yeah, sort of like, I, I don't, not sure if you're, you're familiar with the, the German theorist called Koch, I think it's called, but he's, he speaks about how he believes that the universe is has a form of sentience and how the universe itself does possess yeah. a form of consciousness and he says that he has a theory that the universe itself is 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 sort of getting to know itself that's what he says is, it is like what it is get, what getting to know itself getting to know itself yeah yeah, yeah. so it seems sure. yeah so so it seems like there is an, an essence of 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 that essence of what's what's permeating yeah. throughout this research that we we as a civilization we we go through these different waves where, where civilization maybe like the, the cause for example, these, these waves, I mean, these, these waves could be operating on a, on a bigger cycle that we don't even realize this, this wave that you're looking at now is, is sort of, is, is only what we, what we've picked up on, but there could be bigger sort of celestial waves that, that we, we, we don't even understand yet that, that ebb and flow out of civilization. But it seems like that, that the possibility is that we sort of, I don't know, we sort of, we, we just forget, then we remember, and then we forget, then we remember again. And it's sort of all yeah. a part of the process and the creation of these waves to sort of, yeah. to, to, to play the game, to enjoy the game. Because if we were sort of, yeah. if we were sort of gods and we knew all the, we knew everything that was to know in the universe, maybe that would that's, be boring. You know what I mean? That's boring. That's boring. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think I started out by, by, by saying this, that, Mm, these different mm, quantum states, uh, or I should say, the these different states of consciousness that these waves bring us, they make us perceive and see different kind of things. We have, you might say, we have forgotten uh, um, the 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 serpents and the tree of life and all that kind of uh, worldview that the ancients had. Uh, but it's not really just a forgetting based on our brain's failure or something like that. It's about the fact that we now have gone through different quantum states that makes us unable to see what, what they saw. And yes, so you can say, remember, and maybe now we, you know, I think the, the, the ninth wave even maybe recreating ability to see the, the way that the ancients saw it or, or, or something like that. So yes, there are certain things that uh, can be seen in certain states and others that cannot be, be, be seen. Um, you know, I was recently in an interview uh, with some uh, people that were very interested in something called the, what they call the Mandela effect. Yeah. And uh, which is all about, you know, people miss, uh, um, uh, miss remembering false memories on a collective scale. Now, this is all possible, you know, if it is caused by the fact that we've undergone some quantum state. So what we, what we can see in one quantum state, we cannot see in another. And then we will misremember and, uh, and so forth. And so it's coming back to what you brought up of remembering, forgetting, etc., etc. Uh, it, it's a big game, yes. 
Yeah, definitely. It's also like as well just to add it sort of like these quantum waves that like I know we spoke before sort of from a physical perspective how they affect the planet and also from like a psychological perspective like we said that humans maybe go from a place of non-duality to duality but it also seems as well that these quantum waves sort of affect our our view and our relationship to how we view ourselves as um of how we view ourselves of who we truly are on the planet sort of say from more of a because it seems to be that these waves could be affecting how we view ourselves not only as a human being, but maybe as something more, something like a, maybe a spirit from a spiritual perspective. Like I think Teilhard de Jean said that we're not human beings having a spiritual experience with spiritual beings having a human experience. Do you feel that these sort of quantum waves could be affecting how we view ourselves as who we are? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, of course, you know, who we are in what regard, but you know, the, what, what is characteristic of these quantum states is that they bring veils to our perception of reality. So in the, in the fifth wave, uh, starting 100,000 years ago, there were no veils. And then when the sixth wave ca came, there was a whale of, uh, of, of our right brain half. And then when the seventh wave came, it was a veil of our entire perception of reality. And that really shut out all the experience of any kind of spiritual influence on, on our lives. And then comes the eighth wave that shuts out the, the left brain half. A veil is produced on that one through the resonance with the cosmic states. And then finally, then there is the return to the ninth wave, a wave, a quantum state that has no veils. And depending on this, people will really perceive themselves as very differently. Uh, so, you know, in, in the seventh wave, which I mentioned earlier, started with the Industrial Revolution in 1755 and all, all that kind of stuff. Basically, you know, of course, people would still maybe formally uh, uh, talk about themselves as being religious, but in practice, they, they were all then shut out from the spiritual uh, cosmic reality and uh, had no personal experience of it. And this only starts to come back with the eighth wave, really. And then you have the kind of a new kind of spirituality, which is outside of the, of the traditional religions. But people do because there is an unveiled part of, the, of their brain uh, they do start to re reconnect to the spiritual reality. And then to completely go into that, we will have to develop re resonance with the ninth wave. But in these time periods, people com 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 have completely different perceptions of who, what it is to be a human being. And basically in the seventh wave, when there was complete veil to the experience, shutting out the spiritual experience, People thought of themselves as basically material things, more or less, living material things, and not, not connected, not having any higher divine purpose or, or, or anything like that. So these quantum states really, I should say, determine actually uh, how the, the vast majority of, of humanity will relate to the... Uh, cosmic reality to the divine source 
And that is a very key thing when it comes to understanding um, who we are. Yeah, I was just, that's a good, really good point. I was just about to add that. It, it feels like to get to that point, which, 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 which sort of we've, we've mapped out in this, where, where civilization does have to get to this point of we're not separate. We are, part, we, are, um, we are all together in this sort of thing. We are part of a, a larger consciousness. It seems, yeah. and also from a physical sense, to, to, to sort our shit out on the planet as well, from a bigger perspective, it seems like that we do have to get to that, that essence of what you're seeing, that maybe this ninth wave is taking us to this, to this, this to unlocking this spiritual aspect within ourselves and, and understand our relationship to who we truly are. Do you actually feel that that's what the ninth wave actually is leading to eventually, that yeah. we, we will come in touch with more of that, that spiritual essence of ourselves? It holds that potential. That's yeah. as much as I would would say. And then it, it will be up to what people. I I don't think it happens automatically. People will intentionally have to uh, um, develop resonance with this high frequency wave. And you know, I should say here that on my Facebook pages and on on my webpage, calaman uh, dot com, there is uh, this kind of a. A calculator where you can always see exactly where you are in this wave, which is a 36-day long wave uh, period. And so it, it's a peak, and then the peak is lasts for uh, 18 days, and then it goes down into a valley and lasts for 18 days. And then it continues en uh, uh, endlessly like that. But I would say that even to just to follow that wave <coughs> and study how how you experience it, what it means, you know, what does the upturn and downturn mean for how you experience life? Uh, uh, that is the first step in order to get uh, becoming aware that this is a real wave that that is the highest one we can aspire to in the universe and and that, that we can learn something from from um, uh, from doing that from following that and it's available and uh, uh, there is a new for the moment we we're sort of on the upturn of this and uh, um, then uh, 8th of may which is uh, 3 days from now uh, uh, the, it will begin a new peak and uh, you know the 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 people like myself who have been following this for a long time they become aware of what the peak means to them and what the the valleys mean to them and uh they they uh, and increasingly the, the what brings the forward movement is really the peaks and so we have to learn uh of what that means to be in a peak so to speak we have to experience it and i don't really see any other way of doing it or or at least as part of doing it is to actually follow this wave over time and see what it means to 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 you i mean it's a, it's a collective wave it's a cosmic wave that everybody potentially is in resonance with but since we are individuals and are all these complicated mixtures of of influences it always means something for us individually as well and that particular thing is teaching us may teach us 
how we are to go into the future. Yeah, definitely. I think I think that's a, a beautiful place to leave it at. I mean, this will. I think I might end up calling this podcast part one because, like I said, in the when we okay. were speaking off camera to this, that that we initially we wanted to do this conversation in person, but obviously, what's going on in the world currently, it's obviously it's hindered that ability. Yeah. But definitely in the future, I know for a fact because I'm going to hold back a few questions because I want to sort of leave that for part two so that we can dive even deeper in person. Yeah. Um, but I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast and and for me this is a topic this is for people who are listening this is a topic for me that i feel that i've researched into so many different topics throughout throughout the whole of my life from ufos to health to psychology to spirituality whatever it may be and for me this topic is actually one of the most important topics that i've looked into that i feel inside myself and also at the same time it's one of them topics that I discovered when I was about 14 or 15 years old. Then when I was about 19 years old, I came back to it. And then I was about 20, I come back to it. And, it's, and then, I was, then I was in mid-teens and I come back to it. And it just seems to be like that all throughout my whole life, this topic and this understanding, this, what we've talked about today, it seems like it's, 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 it's got like sort of a resonance to it and it's pulling us back in again and again and again. So... I definitely feel that there is a huge importance, in my opinion, from my own perspective of of this of this whole body of information, mm-hmm. and I, I really do feel that um, it plays a huge significance and role in 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 shaping our whole realities. I really do feel that. So I just want to say thank you so much for coming on, sharing your work because it really is a great body of work, and I'd recommend anyone to check out your books as well because they are really cool. Yeah, thank you, uh, uh, thank you, Dan. Um, so so um, I should point out, that, yeah, I'd be happy to to follow this up and go into a little bit deeper. We basically we just sort of put the skeleton or form the basics of 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 the understanding, but it also has so many more direct connections to things we didn't cover, like. You know psychedelics, the, yeah, like the coronavirus, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, my web page is kaleman.com, C A L L E M A N dot com. My books, and especially my two most recent ones, that are probably the most precise when it comes to the, what we've been talking about here today, they are available from uh, Amazon.com. Barnes and Nobles and several anywhere in principle where you buy books, and um, on my web page uh, there is an article uh, about the current situation, how to understand this virus pandemic, or maybe I should say so-called virus pandemic from the perspective of the Mayan calendar, and that article um, I wholeheartedly recommend for anyone who wants to see that you know we're still in a very big cosmic perspective and and that's an understandable perspective uh, uh th- that i think i'm pre- presented yeah so really thank you cool. thank you very much dan uh, and uh, let's continue this at a later point yeah, we definitely have to do it again in the future. And we'll have to dive into the topic of psychedelics of your new book as well and how that's in related to these these cosmic waves as well. Because like I said, I just recommend everyone to check out all your books because I've read two of them now and and I'm going to read the, the new one once it comes out on Audible as well. And it's just it's just every single time I, I, I look at this topic, it just, mm. it just, like I said, it just invokes something within the human spirit and the human mind to 
to dive even deeper. So like I said, again, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. Cool. Thank you, Dan. And just before, just before you go as well, Carl, I just want to say that, as you can tell, I'm very enthusiastic about this topic because it is something that it, yeah. it, really, it really is something that I feel a deep resonance within. And when we were, yeah. um, when we were messaging and stuff on, on, um, on email and things, yeah. it really did sort of, the reason why it's what's interesting to me is that I've researched this topic for years and years. And obviously I come across your work. I've come across um, John Anthony West when he was speaking about it, come across many great minds of, of you know, as you know, it's, it comes under many yeah. different names and many yeah. different people come under it. But it was only late of um, about one year ago, like I mentioned slightly in the podcast, where I went through sort of a Kundalini experience, Kundalini mm. awakening. Mm. And I mm. physically remembered in the back of my mind of the research that you've done, talking about the, the, the serpent, Mm -hmm. I remembered all the work that John Anthony West had done and um, Jeremy Narbury talking about the serpent. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. I had this experience with one of my best friends where we go to, um, there's a place in the UK that's about, about a one and a half hour drive from where I live. It's called the Lake District. Yeah, and I've been there. Yeah, it's a really beautiful place. Mm -hmm. And we went to this place and every single time we were going to this place, this, 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 like the serpent energy was actually going, oh. through, our, going through our bodies. Yeah. So I haven't really spoke about this much on the podcast, but it seems to be that that there, there's some sort of energetic resonance from certain places that the ancients knew about. Uh, yes. That invokes yeah. this wave through human bodies. I, I don't know fully what it is. I'm still trying to work it out myself. I know there's people talked about earth energies and things like yeah, that. Yeah. But yeah. even just from my own sort of in a personal relationship of, of going to the place myself. Cause I think that's sometimes the, the most you learn is when you actually go yourself and you just sit with these feelings and things. Yeah, I agree. And, I, and even just, even just one year ago, I wasn't somebody who was, I wasn't, I was open. Don't get us wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to people all the time about consciousness and stuff, but on a, I used, that was more of a thinking level, but now it's more like mm -hmm. on a feeling level where I can actually, yeah. I really, it's like when I'm looking at your work and now I used to, think it was real but now i actually feel it's real if that makes sense so there seems oh, yeah. to be this, there's like a level of like a veil that goes with inside yourself where yeah. it's not you don't just know it's you sorry you don't just think it's real you know it's real yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a big difference i yeah. agree it's really hard to explain but it's it's just it's yeah. it's beautiful anyway and I'm, I'm, i know for a fact you're on the right track you really are you've really okay. got it you really have because i just know you i just know you have <laughs> okay okay thank you thanks so much for listening to the podcast i really hope you like that conversation there with carl it was like i said it was a conversation that i really wanted to bring to you for a very long time if you guys have any questions questions or things that you want to be to be pointed to in regards to this topic please feel free to reach out and i'll be happy to point you in any direction or even start a conversation about it because it really is a, a very interesting one for to me anyway so anyway just to play this podcast out, as I always do, this is a song by an artist called Parangi, who's really cool. This is from his album called Ayahuasca, and this song is called Illumineer. So anyway, enjoy this song. I will catch you next week, or not even next week, maybe in a couple of days' time. We'll have another amazing podcast. If you can, guys, find your heart, support the podcast through the Patreon page or the one-off donation option. It really goes such a long way and it helps me to keep bringing you amazing conversations. So I love you all and enjoy this song. Wherever you are in the world, keep seeking. Peace out.